I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to the most haunted city on earth. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, And I'm JT Timmons. And JT is in a different spot. He wanted to get far away from us today. It's true. Yeah. It's away from striking distance. Yes. From exile distance. From exile distance? Yeah. I can't push you out of the frame now. <laughs> <laughs> but That's funny. But yes, we are here with a ghost mail. You got ghost mail. Oh, yeah. Or Chris does it better, but... Yeah. You've got ghost mail. There you go. Very nice, very nice. <laughs> but yes, thank you guys for sending in your ghost mail. Um, but we do have a few announcements before we get into things. JT, you want to kick us off? Yes, we do have some freaking announcements, and they are exciting. We've got so much going on, y'all. All right, first things first. We are announcing that we are working on currently production on a radio play. Um, and it is called Beneath the Cobblestone, and it features your two favorite podcasters. We have Maeve over to the right and Dr. Pendleton over to the left, and they uh, slay demons. Madison, what is the radio play? So it is about a few different characters. Um, We have kind of created our own character world of sorts. So I play Maeve, which is the apprentice, if you will, of Dr. Pendleton and Dr. Gaust. Um, And we are a team of demon slayers. And we go around Savannah slaying all the demons of town. Uh, Everything is based off of Savannah's folklore and our history and things like that, but turned into a more fictional world. So the first episode is very, very fun. And to give you a little hint, it might have something to do with the Gribble House story. Boom. Ooh. But it is all about demon slaying. Absolutely. And so we're building a world and it's going to be really, 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 really cool. Um, uh, we are going to release the pilot episode on Patreon, uh, I'm hoping by very early June. So probably by the time you're hearing this, um, it's getting ready for, uh, for release. But we had a bunch of actors come in and play characters. And it's just something where you're going to be able to close your eyes and imagine everything that is uh, said to you. Um, it's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be a horror series, completely fiction, based on Savannah. So if you love Savannah's horror, uh, become a para junkie. You have to check that out because it's going to be lit. And uh, yeah, so that's the first thing. Um, and that's just the first. Oh yeah, there's more. There's more. So Madison, do you want to tell them about Washington Georgia? Yes. Um, us devils are going down to Georgia, Woo. and we are um, going to Washington, Georgia in particular. So where are we now? <laughs> not in Georgia? No, it's oh, all I facade. have not been paying attention. <laughs> it's a facade, no. No, we're going to a different part of Georgia, um, to Washington, Georgia in particular, which is a cute little small town in between Athens and Augusta. Um, they have contacted us to come out to their haunted little town, 
I was going to say creepy town, but mm-hmm. it, we'll figure that out. That'll be up for us to decide. It's actually quite cute. It is. It's really <laughs> cute. Um, but we're going to go out there and do some investigating. We're going to do a whole episode on Washington, Georgia, and we're going to be finding out any ghosts that might be lurking in that town. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It's really cool. Um, they've been super sweet to us, and they've, they're just a bunch of great people there that are really excited to have us. You know, this is pretty cool so yeah uh let's go ahead and thank the uh new para junkies so carilly johnson sophia sandoval miss sarah monique kiltkoff and joe hargroves thank y'all so much for uh becoming para junkies and we won't let you down all right here we go here we go all right we have another announcement visit savannah Ah, uh, yes. Yes. This is actually a really big one, y'all. Mm-hmm. So so Madison and Chris are about to get their own show partnered with Visit Savannah, and I'll be shooting it. Uh, Debris and I will actually be shooting it, and um, it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, we um, That actually is going to be public, um, but become a pair junkie to you know get updates and behind-the-scenes stuff and whatnot, but it's all going to be uploaded on Visit Savannah's uh, stuff, so give them a follow. Um, all their TikTok and uh, Facebook and um, our pilot episode. We're actually working with Pat Gunn, everybody's favorite, uh, to do an episode on the Gullah Geechee culture. It's going to be called Haint Hags and the Gullah Geechee Culture. So it's going to be very, 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 very cool. Um, so that is, and that shoots mid to late June. So yeah, very, very busy. Um, and why is it so good to be a para junkie? Lastly, before we start it off, zero ads, live stream almost every week, and exclusive content. Yes. You can't beat that with On a top stick. of all the other stuff that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely give it oh, a yeah. consider uh, and join us over on the Patreon. Yes, but let's go ahead and jump into some ghost mail. Ghost mail. Ghost mail, ghost mail, ghost mail. All right, the first uh, story is from Julie Collins. Eerie ghost story in the outskirts of Savannah. Ooh, Ooh, all right. Outskirts. I like it. I like it. When I was 16, my friend Destiny and I had a spooky experience that still sends shivers down my spine. We were playing Monopoly at her kitchen table located in Bloomingdale, Georgia. Mm. Both with a view of the opening to the kitchen, when we froze and stared at the opening in disbelief. Destiny asked if I saw the little boy, and to my surprise, I had seen him too. A young boy with blonde hair wearing overalls standing in the doorway. It was me. It was you. (laughs) I'm usually seen as the little blonde boy in overalls as well. (laughs) We were both shaken by what we had witnessed and become obsessed with finding out more about the little boy. We went as far as to get a... Ouija board. Yes. (laughs) Ouija board to communicate with him. When we asked for his name, the board spelled out A-D-A. We were unsure if the board was a bad speller, so we suggested other names, but the board grew frustrated and repeatedly spelled out ADA, ADA, maybe initials. About a month later, Destiny and I went to the Pizza Inn in Garden City with our boyfriends after a high school football game. We were seated in a booth adorned with old, I like that word, adorned with old timey objects and pictures on the walls. 
I noticed a picture of a family, old and black and white, hung on the wall beside us. At first glance, the family seemed familiar, but it wasn't until I looked back at the picture that I recognized the little boy. It was the same boy we had seen standing in Destiny's doorway. He had the same blonde haircut and facial features. As I looked closer at the picture, I noticed the family name was printed below it. To my amazement, it was the same name the Ouija board had spelled out. Brian, Margaret, Elizabeth, and son, ADA, Ada. Destiny and I were in shock. To this day, we cannot explain the eerie experience that had uh, that we had with the little boy. But seeing this picture in the Pizza Hut made us believe that he was more than just a figment of our imagination. Thanks, well, Julie. Goodness. That's a great story. Regularly, you do not get closure. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you do not. You do not get that little punch, that little button at the end. Very nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. So if you're out in Bloomingdale, Georgia, that's mostly farmland and things like that for those of you who are not from Savannah. Um, so my bet is that it was probably a farming family or somebody who, you know, you know, was a part of the that community and things like that. Because, you know, usually in country towns, small country towns, you know, it's not abnormal to see photos of the families, you know, oh, yeah. who live in the area and things like that. So it is really cool that you got to see that exact experience. But uh, my bet is that Destiny's house might have been built on their old farmland or things like that. And he might still just be hanging around, um, especially if he died as a child. Uh, You know, I mean. And never discount uh, being followed home. That is true. You could have gone to someplace important to them. They, they, They catch sight of you. And some people just shine you know they just glow in such a way that spirits just feel drawn to them and Mm -hmm. and and will follow them Uh, especially you know uh, classic stories of spirits that are just kind of milling about you know they don't really have a purpose they're not really haunting a place in the sense of unfinished business or they have anything they're just you know existing and then along comes this shining light and they're like i will follow that light and they attach themselves yeah, I mean, maybe he, maybe the little boy haunted the Pizza Hut. <laughs> very, very, very possible. <laughs> and you know? if you guys visit the Pizza Hut often, they're like, ooh, I like them. Let me follow them home with their carryout. So, oh, you yeah. know. Um, and a lot of people get into their minds that it, it, it's the idea that, the, that he might have died as a child, that the child died. But in fact, a lot of times people may die very old, but when they come back in their spirit form, they are younger um, sometimes uh, spread out amongst multiple places, childhood fascination places, mm-hmm. things like that, just being able to uh, sort of um, represent the person at different stages in different places based on their emotional input. That is very true. Cool, cool. All right, those small-town ghosts, man. Yeah. I'll tell you. I love it. All right, here we go. Also, please never do the Ouija board again, Julie. (laughs) Please never do that. (laughs) For those who are listening, Chris and I do not condone the Ouija board as a method of confirmation. We're not fans of the Ouija board. All right. Let's jump into the next one. Thank you, Julie. Okay. Oh, also, we had uh, Ashley Werner wanted to tell you I'm so excited for this. I already know it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Love the live stream comments. Okay. This one comes from Lainey Hart. 
Lanny's my sister's name. That's a cute name. Yeah, I like that name. It's called The Witch in the Wardrobe. Ooh. Ooh. All right, all right. Heard that. (laughs) Heard that. Hi, guys. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, listening from Tampa. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a fan. We appreciate it. I've had a strong interest in the paranormal ever since I can remember and definitely feel as though I'm somewhat sensitive. I also have had a severe history of sleep paralysis. My mom has always been a collector of antiques, and at one point she acquired this Edwardian-era armoire prior to me being born. It was a tall, rectangular wooden cabinet with a single mirror door in the center and carvings of what looked like three strands of wheat tied together on either side of the mirror. When I was in, the, in middle school, my mom remodeled our home and the armoire got uh, moved to my bedroom which I remember feeling less than excited about for several reasons, but as there was no other spot in the house for for it, I accepted its fate. I used it to store random things I didn't always need immediate access to, yearbooks, excess school and art supplies, costume jewelry, and old CDs. This was about the year 2006-2007. I remember it always having this coldness to it but i always chalked uh this up to it being wood since wood is a good insulator my room was notoriously hot however it was the hottest room in the house in the summer and the coldest in the winter and it had three exterior walls and was the last room at the end of the hall the furthest away from the ac unit which serviced that side of the home In the summers, my room would get up to 80 degrees and the cabinet would still be cold around it Mm. and definitely inside of it. Interesting. Now, having given more thought to it, this should have been my first sign of what was to come. Mm. Oh, yeah. The sleep paralysis started as soon as the armoire took up new residence in my room. I racked my young brain up and down trying to understand what was happening when I closed my eyes until I saw a TV show about incubuses and succubuses. And then I thought, well, that's got to be it. (laughs) (laughs) Aha, we've nailed it down now. (laughs) (laughs) Furthermore, I started to get extremely scared just to go to sleep. When it would hit, I would always start saying the Lord's Prayer, and that would help wake me out of it. But sometimes I would have to say the prayer multiple times to actually wake up. I can't remember the exact turning point, but at some time I can uh, I, f- I connected the sleep paralysis with the mirror door on the armoire being opened or not shut all the way. I wake up out of the sleep paralysis, realize the door was open or ajar, get up and close it, and then go back to sleep. And so making sure the door was properly closed before going to sleep became a required part of my nighttime routine. Sometimes, however, I'd wake up from a paralysis knowing I had closed the door and it would mysteriously be ajar again. I would force myself to think happy thoughts instead of wondering why the door was open because I felt there was nothing I could do. No one would believe me and I wouldn't ever be able to move this strange piece of furniture out of my room. With that being said, closing the door made me feel like I had an upper hand with the sleep paralysis. In other words, I thought I had it under control. Thank you for writing. Just I just have to take it right. Like this is this is a love wonderfully written email. All right. 
When I was 17 or 18, we remodeled my room again and moved the armoire to a different spot, but still in my room. My mom, my mom gifted me an antique mirror, which got placed on a wall that directly faced the armoire cabinet. Maybe your mom needs to stop giving you things. I now, uh, I now, I know now that placing two mirrors facing each other is a big no-no. It's a fat no-no. <laughs> but back then, I didn't. Also, sleeping opposite of mirrors is kind of a no-no. Yeah, no-no fat no-no as well. <laughs> wow. Okay. After moving the armoire and adding the new mirror, the sleep paralysis picked back up, and more often than not, I would find the door to the armoire ajar after knowingly closing it. Like I closed it for sure, but somehow it would wind up open. The sleep paralysis got worse than ever. And when I would uh, sleep, I would have terrible, frightening and vivid dreams. Once I was laying in a bed after a sleep paralysis episode and heard a loud and distinct sneeze that sounded like it was right outside my room. My parents' house sits on the river, so people could have easily entered our backyard from the dock, which happened every once in a while, but during the day, there was no one. I waited to see if a crabbing boat came by, as, as sound can travel on water, but it never did either. When I told my parents the next morning, they thought I was crazy. The summer after I graduated, I woke up one morning after an absolutely chilling dream that felt so real like it was happening in real time we had a dog named jd who would sleep with me in my room jd could open the bedroom door but obviously he couldn't close it and since the door only opened inward into the room if he wanted out in the middle of the night he would scratch the door until i woke up and let him out in the dream or series of dreams it was like i was watching from the trees and in my backyard, two older men were murdering this girl. I can still picture their faces. Goodness gracious. It was so frightening that I thought it had woken me up, but it had actually just woken me into another dream where my dog was scratching at the door to be let out. It was especially strange that I didn't recognize in the dreams that the lights, uh, that the light was on every time I woke up. I can't sleep with any lights on and I'm still aware enough when I am dreaming to notice little things like this and realize I'm dreaming. I must have woken up from the same sequence of dreams three or four times, sometimes into a sleep paralysis when the last time I uh, went to let my dog out the door and the two men from the outside were looking back at me with creepy grins. They were in my house. I know this is actually this is hard to interpret or make sense of, but this dream actually frightened me so much and still does to this day. I hate talking about it. I decided at some point not to go back to sleep and turned on my TV for background noises. So sorry if I sped through that explanation. There's actually a lot more to the particular night's worth of dreams. I just uh, can't bear to revisit. When I actually got up to start the day, my brother and I both exited our rooms at the same time, and the first thing I said was, you would not believe the dream I had last night. We went out to the back porch to let the dogs out and started to explain, and I started to explain the dream. His face deserted, uh, his face deserted its tan complexion and took on a milky undertone. He said, Laney, I had the exact same dream. 
He immediately wanted to stop talking about it and forget the whole experience. My dog, JD, passed very unexpectedly just a few weeks after all of this from a tumor on his trachea, which had seemingly appeared overnight. Mm. I don't remember who or what it was that I found out. Um, I don't remember who or when it was that I found out about the two mirrors facing each other. But I do know that once I heard that I was uh, quick to cover the mirror on the arm wall at night after that. I would take a large blanket, drape it over the door and shut the, bl- uh, and shut the blanket inside the door crease. And until I moved out of that house, that is how I had to sleep. I left the armoire, of course, when I moved out, even though my mom insisted that I take it. Since then, <laughs> I haven't had even one episode of sleep paralysis, and it's just so weird to me that it only happened to me in that particular time and environment. I remember once my family took a trip to Savannah, and my brother swears he was visited by a hag, a hilarious story for another time. But part of me really believes now that a hag lives in that armoire, and so I have affectionately titled her The Witch in the Wardrobe. I still have so many questions, but recently this experience has inspired me to maybe write a fiction book, Mm. and so I am wondering what your thoughts on this are. Very sincerely, Lainey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely write a book, Lainey, because yeah. uh, you're yeah. very good at writing. Um, also, thank you for that, uh, because the way you described your house, because if y'all didn't know, I'm also from Tampa. Your house sounds exactly like mine. Um, <laughs> my house was also on the water and was laid out very similarly. And I also had an armoire that looked a lot like yours. So now all I can picture is that. So whenever I go to see my parents next time, I'm going to be thinking of your story. Um, <laughs> but A different kind of haunting a very different kind of haunting um but that is insane i'm still trying to process the dream portion in my head because it sounds like you had some type of entity for sure attached to the 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 armoire but i think the dreams might have been unrelated to the armoire at first until that second mirror came in there's also the, the the concept that when when you come into contact with something paranormal supernatural something that um that kind of pokes a hole in the veil and the reality that we live you are susceptible to receiving all forms of information and the thing that stands out about your dream is that you kept waking up in your dream mm-hmm. which is very much a part of a of a uh, a way that your brain is trying to ensure that you get information. Right. Because when you wake up in your dream, you are basically resetting your knowledge of a place. And that means that you are subconsciously trying to validate what you've seen while staying asleep. Uh, that suggests that there was an urgent message. You know, that suggests mm-hmm. that there was something that was being told and it didn't want you to wake up out of the dream because then the message could not continue. So when you were 
being scared or something in your dream was was on the verge of waking you up rather than letting you become conscious it just shifted into another dream knowing that it can continue the narrative continue t- trying to tell you something um which i don't think is necessarily connected to the chiffre but the armoire Every time I think of an armoire, I think of the word chiffre because I like the word chiffre robe. That's a fun word. <laughs> chiffre robe. Um, but uh, it may not be connected to the entity of the armoire, but the presence of the armoire is kind of like an antenna mm-hmm. that is now giving you um, the ability to pick up on other messages, on other things. So, yeah, in the presence of supernatural things, you might become psychically gifted for a short period of time or or in the proximity of it because the fact that you said that it gets cool or that it's cold inside mm, that it's cooler yeah. inside that suggests that it is using energy it is drawing in the heat around it for a reason and i'd be interested to note that if while you're sleeping it doesn't heat back up <laughs> if it's sure. not if it's not burning the energy that it's storing during the day Interesting. so um <laughs> yeah there's a lot of wonderful things and i'd love to hear the other stories and I certainly the uh your brother and and the hag sounds like a great story and uh you should absolutely write uh this down yeah. that was a very well written letter i milky tones uh, under the tan complexion that's you know very very lovely imagery so i would say write uh Absolutely. People love ghost stories and people love hearing stories about ghosts. Uh, that is kind of our trade. So yeah. it would <laughs> so, be a good graphic novel. It would be a good graphic novel too, mm, or yeah. short film even, mm-hmm. you know, so oh, yeah. um, uh, reach out to your, your, your artist friends to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to collaborate on telling the story because stories like this help other people who have isolated and strange occurrences feel emboldened to speak, or at least, you know, uh, because the common sensation is people will think I'm crazy. You know, I don't tell people this uh, because they'll think I'm crazy. And then along comes a platform, much like this podcast, that says, you're not crazy. This is happening. We, we cannot authoritatively say what it is, but we can say that your, your experiences are valid. And, yeah. uh, and it's amazing when people come forward and tell stories that normally they would keep to themselves right. for fear of being judged. This is a no judgment zone. So uh, no judgment. Some of the best stories that we get, or even I get, especially doing ghost tours and stuff is people coming up to me and being like, yeah, I had this one experience, but I don't know really what to make of it. And then they spell out this insane tale of just crazy nonsense going on around them. And like, and you just didn't want to tell anybody about that. So, you know, but my favorite ghost stories usually start with, I don't believe in ghosts. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, you know. This one uh, thing happened. It's like, I don't believe in that. However, uh, because sometimes, because basically those people are resistant mm-hmm. to a story, but there comes this thing that they can't explain away or they can't figure out, and it just sticks out in their mind, and it becomes a very, you know, because they're paying close attention simply because their entire uh, persona is, I don't believe in ghosts. But I think that was a ghost. Right. Absolutely. So can, how does a, how would a hag or a witch inhabit a, a, a piece of furniture? Like how does that, how, if so, we had to guess how it works, so how even, would it work? Even more closely is the armoire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, an armoire is a piece of furniture with a door. Yeah. Doors symbolically are entrances and exits. 
So anything with a door can be bound, especially through concentration, through anything, to suggest entrance and exit. You put a mirror on that door, and you've got now a magnifying glass on an entrance and an exit. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of different ways to go about the suggestion of how did this become the place. Armoires are perfect for hiding in. Mm -hmm. So you could conceivably have people who would hide from the world inside, you know, a closed space, you know. Um, So there's a lot of different ways that objects become conveyances for the supernatural. An armoire with a mirror on it does have a lot of, uh, even like the apothecary-like setting, uh, that's a perfect place to hide small altars Mm -hmm. if you're to, you know, practice or dabble in any form of ritualistic magic. Especially because it was Edwardian, too. Oh, yeah. perfect timing for it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you described um, wheat being bound, Mm -hmm. which uh, binding, the, the word binding... Uh, is it comes up again and again in any kind of ritualistic belief system is because binding is how magic is done. Mm-hmm. Um, even the word Wicca, it kind of uh, derives from the same place that we get wicker. Uh, it comes from this idea of, of, of weaving and binding and tying things together. Uh, that is the nature. The, uh, and I always say that like knots, are the are are the earliest form of magic, you know? People tying knots. Oh yeah, uh, knot be- magic is so interesting. If you've it's, never looked into yeah, that. it's not it's, magic though. <laughs> it's, it's, God, it's, it's a fascinating thing because it is something recognizable that looks really easy when you take you know you, I've taken this thing, I've bound these things together. Now they're together in a single thing. And we're like, well, that's not magic. It's like, well, okay, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. But it you is know, not it was, magic. It, it was a it was a function of the 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 binding of things and really that's one of the core principles of magic is is yeah. you're binding yourself to something or you're binding two objects together or two identities or two entities so yeah i think that um i think that uh, you should take pictures of this armoire and send it to us. Yes, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah. I mean, you see there's always been like this imagery of things hiding in your closet, hiding in armoires and I think it's because they're all, they're kind of like their own separate rooms and it's easy to imagine that they're entryways to a different world. Wasn't there um an armoire in, in the movie The Conjuring? Yes, that was and the, the one which that was on Bathsheba, the top of was, Bathsheba was, yeah. was like on top of the armoire. And you're like, oh, yeah. So when you said The Witch in the Wardrobe, that's the first image I got. Uh, same, was, same. Was this woman on top of the armoire going, ah. Yes. And to preface, too, because we've said witch a lot. Um, oh, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't mean like actual witchcraft. It's been kind of just like a word used as a catch-all, kind of like a demon. Well, hag. Sorts. You know, yeah. uh, people always imagine that a, a hag, because we've associated the word hag so so uh, intently on the the sea hag or the, mm-hmm. you know, the old woman hag, the concept of the crone and the hag. Um, but uh, the hag is, in fact, a, a demonic presence, a demonic force mm-hmm. uh, in this region, at least. And uh, it, is, it does not adhere to the idea of old woman exactly. or, or witch. But oh, yeah. Kind of a catch-all term. Just a catch-all term. Yeah. And that's true, too, of, of whenever we use the words demons or anything like that. We are not associating specifically to a 
a criteria, like we're not speaking specifically of, of the Christian demon construct or, the, or, or any culture's demonic construct, we're using it as a catch-all phrase for malevolent force. Dope. All right, here we go. On to the next one. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Let's see. We got... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sent in one. Uh, it is called Paranormal Encounter. Perfect. Straight oh, yeah. to the point. I know, right? Perfect for the show. Hello, everyone. For privacy reasons, I will not be using my real name. Understood. Growing up, my family was not wealthy by any means. This means that my younger brother and my younger sister shared a room and a queen-size bed. I would always sleep about one foot from the closet, and the door to the room was around three-ish feet from where I was sleeping. I was in around the fifth or sixth grade at this time and had pretty strange sleeping habits. I would go to sleep at around 9 o'clock and wake up periodically through the night until around 6 in the morning. It was the only way I could sleep. For some reason, my, my little body thought it was safer to sleep when someone else was awake. I don't exactly remember when it started, but one night I was woken up by someone calling my name. Uh-oh. That's never a good one. Ruh-roh. Ruh-roh, Raggy. It was a whisper, and it was repetitive until I woke up. Surprisingly, it wasn't aggressive. It felt like the person was trying to wake me up, uh, didn't want to, but they had to. Now, I would, li- I, I would like to preface this by saying that I didn't take any medication because I was so young. I also didn't tell my parents about this at the time. I remember opening my eyes and looking around the room, trying to find out who was calling my name. I looked to my left, and my siblings were sleep- all sleeping. I thought that it was possibly my father, but I could hear him snoring. I looked over at my door, and I saw a shadowy figure. Mm. I can see it to this day, and when I think back on it, it was a man mm. around six feet tall. Mm. Funny enough, he was dressed very well. I think we know where this is going. With a fedora. Yes, of course. And a suit. Or at least that's what it looked like. He was very casually leaning against the doorway. Leaning. And as soon as I looked at him, he stepped away and I looked around the room because after he left, I got a really unsettling feeling. I was scared when he left. I turned on my side facing the closet and then something told me to look up. In the corner of the ceiling next to the closet, there was another shadowy figure watching me. It was hunched in the corner, just sitting there and smiling at me. Love that. I could see its eyes and I could see its teeth. Its eyes were white with black irises, and its teeth were white and sharp. I stopped moving and just stared at it. This would go on for what felt like hours. I didn't want to leave because my younger siblings were sleeping, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it could, what it could or could not do. 
I wish that it was sleep paralysis, but I could move just fine. I could turn my head, I could sit up, and it was still there. Sometimes my anxiety would get the best of me, and I would have to run out of the room as quietly as I possibly could. Or my dad would wake up and tell me to get back into bed. When I would get the courage to go back into the room, I would feel guilty, but it would be gone. This went on for months. It could be that I was exhausted and I was seeing things, but I will never forget how that thing in the corner looked at me, how uh, much malintent I felt, how much anxiety and fear it gave me. I haven't seen that well-dressed man ever again, but I've heard stories on here, um, I guess the the podcast, and from other people about him. My experience seemed more positive than theirs. He never scared me. I have more stories about that house if you want to hear more. Thank you for reading this. Yeah, we want to hear more. We always want to hear more. Absolutely. This is interesting because I don't think we've ever spoken of this before on this podcast, which is rare because we're always like, well, we brought this up before. But uh, the classic uh, corner demon. Yes. Corner demons. Uh, So fascinatingly enough, in uh, certain belief structures, uh, the way that demons get into your house are through corners. Yep. Mm-hmm. The corner represents a place, an egress, where demonic forces can enter into a home. Um, as a matter of fact, that is why many people uh, believe that the circle is such a divine uh, uh, image because there's no in- egress for a demon. So uh, when you're trying to protect yourself, you draw a circle around yourself. So there's no corner in which the demon can latch onto. So uh, that is really interesting because it, that's something that I hadn't really even thought of in a long, long time. Yeah. Is 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 the is the concept of of the corner being a place where shadow entities can uh, dwell. You know, and, and start. And I, I want to say that uh, there's even belief that if you uh, go into like a round room, it's very safe. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that the roundness of a room can keep you from having, you know, dark and, and, and sinister things enter. And of course, uh, the classic um, watcher at the doorway. Right. You know, and the fact that uh, the watcher interfered which is not, again, that's not a normal uh, occurrence is for the watcher to be waking you up. The idea of waking you up when there is a dark presence is because the dark presence will, will more than likely mess with you while you're asleep. And while you're awake, it has boundaries that it has to deal with. So waking you up may have prevented you from having a, an episode with this particular entity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that is a positive interaction with, with you know, even because uh, there are plenty of people who, um, who get into a series of conversations about shadow people and their, their specific different notions. And some people will, will put, um, I talk to them about watchers a lot of the times. Well, watchers, while I, I speak of them as watchers being more literally viewing you, um, there is uh, enough history or belief structure to go behind and say that watchers are a um, are a level of angel. Uh, the Gregory, I think. Uh, the, uh, there is a level of angel that are watchers, and they are considered uh, to be the 
the source material for guardian angels, angels that watch over us. So whenever you have an, an, an interaction that seems to be some kind of interference with uh, malcontent spirits, something's intervening. Some, some, you know, you could call it divine intervention, but it's definitely something saying, hey, something, something's going down, pay attention. And if you're lucky enough to, to recognize it and to act upon it, then, uh, then yeah, you've had, you've had quite an experience. You know, it's, um, it's funny because I actually have had a similar experience to that. So maybe it'll make you feel better. Um, and when I was growing up, I've told you guys a little bit about, you know, how the spirits in my room and things like that were very protective over me, which isn't uncommon Mm-mm. with spirits, uh, especially with children. They feel this need to protect children because they are so pure and they are exuding energy and light. And especially a child like me, where I was just like a beacon of, you know, like, come get me ghosts and things like that and <laughs> didn't realize it. Um, yeah, my spirits in my room one time woke me up, but instead of, you know, being like, ah, oh, wake up, like that one time I've told you about, it was more so they were like, don't turn around. Mm. I was a dumb child and curious, um, and I did turn around, and what I saw was this super tall, shadowy figure with completely whited out eyes. And I immediately rolled over and hid under my blanket because I was like, oh, this will protect me. And I asked my spirits in my room, I'm like, make it go away. And then immediately I felt the energy just kind of push back. Um, But it was also standing in the corner. So I wonder if you had a similar experience with a similar type entity. Because like Chris was saying, what I've always chalked it up to being is that it was one of those low energy shadow people. Because there's different levels of shadow people. There's low energy ones that are malevolent that are trying to elicit fear out of you solely so that they can gain more of that energy. They can still exist Mm -hmm. versus shadow people who are just losing their form because nobody remembers them anymore. Um, So there's a spectrum to it. But I always just assumed it was one of the darker malevolent uh, shadow people. And I have a feeling that's kind of what you were encountering. Something that was low parasitic energy that was just trying to elicit that reaction out of you. Um, Especially shadow figures that can project features like a smile or like eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, that is not the remnants of a person fading away. That is, you know, an an act Mm -hmm. of, of intimidation. Exactly. One of my favorite, images in cinema history i'd say it's like top five is the shot that james wan captured uh of and you 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 already know this maddie of the demon in the corner when when um lipstick man uh what's up Oh no, no! It was Insidious. it was in, in Insidious. Yeah, it was in man. Insidious. Yeah, oh, the, Lipstick Man. You're funny. Yeah, Lipstick Man. And that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Is he really? That's the name of that demon. Lipstick Man. Yes. Oh, I didn't know. I that. He's know red that. because he put lipstick all over him. Oh, I thought that. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, when he points. Yeah. That literally, that yep. is my favorite shot. I love that It's such a shot. good shot. Mm-hmm. It's such a good shot because they, they ask, like, what do you want? And that's when, yep. that's when the claw comes out and it points towards the boy. And I'm just like, oh, that's so good. My mammal. That was a great that, creation. God, mm-hmm. yeah. just, oh, man. My James mammal about lost it when that happened. I made her watch that with me. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah. still to this day, I think she's scarred by that shot in particular. It is, it is a scarring shot. Yeah. It really is. But Although anyway. the, the, the face behind him. In broad yeah. daylight, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The broad daylight work for James. Kudos, James Wan. He's just for so bringing on the the, the the daylight scares. The little boy, seriously, in the middle oh, of the yeah. daylight. Yeah. All right, and let's see. We got some new comments from the live stream. Alexandre Machado said, "Morning, y'all." Morning. Uh, Whitney Elaine said, "I love the space y'all create for sharing." Thank you. And Ashley Warner said, that demon is so terrifying. Those movies scare me like no other. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new one coming out. Isn't five. It? Insidious yeah. Five. Oh, yay. Was it five out. or six? I thought it was... I think it's six. I don't think they count... Yeah, they don't count. ...the, the key right. one. Oh, they don't? Oh. I don't. I don't, oh. I don't think it's an Insidious movie. Oh, okay. It's just like an offshoot, technically. Yeah. All right. Because it's almost... It's a prequel. Yeah. And it's a separate... Let's jump into this story. Here we go. Uh, this is sent in by Jenna Helm. Jenna Helm. Yes, yes. My Savannah Apartment Story is what it's titled. Oh, boy. Hey, guys. Love the podcast and wish I had stumbled upon it sooner while I was living in Savannah. I'm a traveling nurse who completed a COVID ICU assignment at Memorial uh, 7-2021 through 4-2022. Furnished, short-term housing was hard to find around that time, so I ended up in a tiny duplex with another traveling nurse on East 53rd Street. My roommate had previously lived in the lower part of the duplex in the past and had heard stories from some SCAD students living upstairs that the house was haunted, so we had a little heads up prior to moving in. One week in, we were watching TV when we heard what sounded like a child running overhead in the attic towards us. Lord, The attic doesn't have uh, flooring, so that wasn't a possibility. As we sat in the living room, shocked and staring at each other, the footsteps ran again across the attic away from us. We eventually went back to watching the movie when we started to hear loud booms from all around. I said the dorkiest thing you could imagine saying, is that fireworks or gunshots? We were both laughing as the booming continued because we thought it was fireworks. The next day I ran into our downstairs neighbor and mentioned how annoying the fireworks were the night before when she told me there had not been any fireworks that night nor loud booming noises of any origin. I was shocked and couldn't really speak, so I told her about the footsteps and blame Haunted Savannah, LOL. It's true. Just blame Savannah. Yeah, it's an easy one to go with. Ooh, this one has a photo, y'all. Ooh. After I pondered it later on, I remembered what my grandfather's antique musket sounded like when it fired, and it Mm. occurred to me that my roommate and I were probably hearing an exchange of musket fire. Wow. That happened on the land prior to the duplex being built. The footsteps continued to occur in the attic, and my dogs were even afraid. One last event happened before we happily moved out. My roommate worked nights, and I worked days, so I was home alone that night. Upon waking, I let the dogs out. It was raining so hard, I stood in the doorway where they were in the yard. They came back, and I went back to my room to put scrubs on. Waiting for me was the wet 
child size footprint on my bed. Mm, no. I attached a picture for you. Hope y'all are having a wonderful weekend, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. Yeah. Awesome. And thank you for proving that even Ardsley Park is also haunted. Yes. Well, Ardsley Park was the wilds of Savannah the at wilds. one point. You know, that was that was that was kind of far out and more than likely there are all kinds of small skirmishes, oh, small yeah. uh, pushing back on even the indigenous uh, mm-hmm. people. There's probably all kinds of horror and terror that occurred in that region in that area. You know, what's mm-hmm. funny is I want to say my nail tech, she lives actually on 53rd Street, and she has also told me about a child spirit in her house. So I wonder if you are li- you were living in the place where she is living now. It's possible. Yeah, um, very possible. I'm going to have to talk to her I about have that. The full, uh, I have the full address, but yes. we have so many listeners that they might want to no, go. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> they no might want to go. And, no need to know. publicize it, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's not uncommon to see children's spirits everywhere in Savannah, so... You know, you never know what happened on that property before. The booms are interesting. Mm-hmm. Booms are interesting because, too, Savannah has its its history of gun violence that is not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, musket fire. We right. do? <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't know how no to explain way. this, but uh, there's, there's been one or two incidences. Oh, just a few incidents. Um, Lord. But, yeah, there's there's... Plenty to to dive into there, and and it's mm-hmm. it's funny because Arsley Park, and uh, you know, depending on how far east you're going, because you might have you might not even be in Arsley as much as you know the surrounding area. Uh, it's so it's you know rows and rows of like that suburb kind of feel, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fascinating because the houses it's not cookie cutter at all. No, it is not. So from house to house, it's all this different variety and different things. And so to imagine, you know, a child's spirit trick or treating, Mm -hmm. you know, just going from house to house and saying, Oh, what's this place? Oh, what's that place? Oh, this is interesting. Um, and yeah, children ghosts are unbound. So Mm -hmm. they they can, they can do all kinds of, uh, get up to all kinds of mischief. I don't like the wet footprint. Wet footprint. Very bothersome. That's, that's really, why would it be wet? There's a number of reasons. Well, she said that it was raining outside. I know, but what? But why would? I don't know. There's a number. Yeah. There's so many. It reasons. could have gone yes. out with the dogs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Maybe went out with the dogs. Wanted yeah. to play. Oh, for right. sure. That makes sense for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that in what Chris was saying is yeah, child ghosts literally have no balance. They go everywhere. They mm-hmm. oftentimes bounce around to different locations and things like that because they're still curious. Mm-hmm. They are still in the mindset that they are limitless. And, um, and some choose not to grow, mm-hmm. you know, so you, and children can be vicious and not realize it. You know, they, they can be selfish and not, you know, really uh, think about the, the effect of their acts. Right. So, um, so yeah, sometimes you're when when you're dealing with children, it could come off very demonic, when in fact it's just mischief. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would be my guess, just because there was no other indication that it was like actively trying to hurt you or sure. cause or even contact you. Really, yeah, it was know, just kind it was of just existing, present. right? Yeah, yeah. So. Well, thank you guys so much for sending in your stories. We had quite a variety today. Yeah, which lovely. Is, we yeah, really did. So 
This has been awesome. Um, if you have a ghost story you would like to send us, you can send it to ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. Also, if you have questions that you would like us to answer on the show, we do our Q&A segment. So you can also send that to Ghostmail if you don't have TikTok. Otherwise, you can utilize the Q&A button on our TikTok, which is Haunted City Podcast. So with that, though, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>